Anyway, um, when Dave asked me to teach today, this song has been going through my mind for about three weeks. So he said, do you want to teach on Mark or do you want to teach on Christmas story? And he said, oh yeah, I want to keep teaching on the Christmas story. I've been reading Luke 1 and 2 for probably three weeks just off and on. And so then the Holy Spirit was really teaching me, um, speaking to me about that. But I had two, two nights of Monday night Bible study to get through yet. So I literally said, stop talking to me about this until I get through these last two nights. Because it was so clear what he wanted us to teach on. So um, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we may not even get to Jesus, but we're going to talk about the backstory to Jesus' birth, which I think that we don't talk about enough, um, and how God uses people for his plans. So that's kind of where we're going this morning. Um, so as we read the Christmas story this morning, really the title of this would be The Radical Obedience of Mary and Joseph if we're going to title it. Um, and I would like you to imagine what it would have been like for Mary and Joseph to go through the things they went through and to be called to do what they were called to do. And so I like to sometimes take a really familiar story like this when I'm reading, and it's so easy to just flip through the story and read it like we always have, but I want to deliberately slow down and experience what I'm reading in the Word. And the way to do that is to get your godly imagination going and think what it might have been like to be Mary, what it might have been like to be Joseph. And you know, Mary was like between 14 and 16 years of age. Do we have anybody in here with that age, 14 and 16? Piper, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's, let's kind of do that as we're going through the Christmas story. Use your imagination on what it might have been like for her and for Joseph at that time. So as I read Luke 1 and 2, I just invite you to do that and get personally involved in the story with me and to look at an old familiar story differently than you have in the past. So let's start right in Luke 1. And let's start, um, I'm going to do this in chunks because it's such a long story. So Luke 1, 26 through 33. Do we have that up? We do. Oh, good. All right, so now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city. Nope, this is the wrong one. 26 through 33? Yep, yep. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, the angel said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly perplexed at what he said and kept carefully considering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen carefully, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and eminent and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So that's the first chunk of scripture. So the context of the story, what happened before this, so we don't have to read so much in one sitting, is that in Luke 1, is that the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah the priest. Zechariah had, had um, gone into the temple to do his duties, and he had been told by an angel that Elizabeth was going to bear a son as well. So that's the backstory to this. And Elizabeth became pregnant with John the Baptist, and Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. 
So Mary would have been, like I said, 14 to 16 years of age, and this would have been an arranged marriage for her. Probably when they were kids, maybe five, six, seven years old, the two families get together. That was the cultural norm back then. So this would have been an arranged marriage, so she would have known from a young age who she was going to be married to. And they're now in this espousal period, and for that culture... What that means is it's a year long, and they're going, to be get, they're going to be getting married. It's like us being engaged. However, it's even more, um, I'm, what's the word I want? It's even more serious than that, because Joseph would have to actually divorce her to get out of the engagement. So, but they haven't consummated the marriage yet. That's, they, they aren't living together. They're not married. But that's, so that's what, that's the backdrop of this story. And so an angel shows up to tell Mary of her plan. And everything that her parents and she have planned for has just been taken off the table in 30 seconds. So what, what would that be like if you had planned years and years and years who you're going to marry and all these things, and in 30 seconds after an angel shows up to talk, talk to you, everything that you thought was going to happen in your life has now been changed. So let's think about that. He tells her she's going to become pregnant, and that even though she's a virgin, and that the baby is going to be the son of God, the Savior, Jesus. And that's what Jesus means, salvation and Savior. So let's stop here a minute and let's imagine what Mary must be thinking. Is she scared? Is she afraid? Does she think she's crazy? Is she, how is she going to explain this to all the people around her? Because she is going to have to do that. So she has to tell her parents, hey, I've seen an angel. Hmm, okay. I've seen an angel and he's told me these three things. And then she has to tell Joseph as well. How's Joseph going to take this? And her community. It was a very, very bad thing in that culture to become pregnant outside of marriage. It was you were an outcast, and you were outcast from your community. And she would have known all of these things. So would anybody believe Mary? So I'm sure all this stuff was flying through her mind. And Luke said Mary's greatly troubled or greatly perplexed. Do you think? Yes, I would be very greatly perplexed perplexed and troubled as well. She has to know that this is not going to go well and that people may not even believe her. So let's pick this up now. Let's start in verse 34, Luke 1, 34 and 35. And let's read that. So Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin and have no intimacy with God or with any man? And then the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit, I want you to key in on this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a cloud. For that reason, the holy, pure, sinless child shall be called the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit is conceiving the child. Mary and Joseph don't have the seed. It's the Holy Spirit. Mary is simply the person that God is going to be born from, but that's the not her seed. It's the Holy Spirit. And I love this because the Holy Spirit, right off the bat in Luke 1, has been, has been brought into the scene. The whole, and I think we just skip over this piece when we read this story. But here the Holy Spirit is coming to do some things. So let's flip to Genesis 1, 1 and 2, 26 and 27, and see what that has to say. In the beginning, God created by forming nothing the heavens and the earth. Then our God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness. 
not physical, but spiritual personality on moral likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. Now, one piece that was left out was is number two, as the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth, and then God said, let there be light, and then there was light. So the Holy Spirit is always God's creating power, always. He's the part of God that does the creating and the demonstrating of God's hearts, plans, and intentions. So I love that right off the bat, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. That's very key here. So let's pick it back up into Luke 1, 36 through 38. And we're going to hear Mary's response. And listen, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Now at this time, Mary arose and hurried to the hill country to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Mary heard Mary's greeting, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. And she exclaimed loudly, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed and confidently trusted that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her by the angel sent from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies and exalts the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has looked upon me on the humble state of his maidservant. For behold, from now on, all generations will count me blessed and happy and favored by God. So Mary said, yes, Mary said, yes, I'll do it. And she didn't have a lot of time to figure this out, but she said, yes. So I got to wondering, would we have said yes? Or would we have said, you know, I might need a little more information here, Lord, like how you're going to do all these things and make all these steps happen. I don't know. Let's ponder things like that. That's why I want us to slow down and read the word and think about it. Would we have said yes? Or would we have needed more information from God? Here's what she didn't do, though, which I love. So that's what she did. She did say yes, but she did not questions God's ability to carry this out. She never said that. And she did not question her own unworthiness or a capability of carrying this out either. And she also didn't back off in fear from all the unknowns that were lying ahead for her that she surely knew and the difficulties that she probably knew she would encounter as well. So I love that she didn't do those things. And in Luke 1, um, 39 through 48, which we just, we just read about that, um, several verses after that, she continues in this song that's called Mary's Song, and she just praises the Lord and magnifies the Lord, and she has no idea what lies ahead as she does that. But she praises him first for what he's doing and, and that she's been chosen. That's so awesome. I think we sometimes wait to praise God afterwards to see how it figure how how's all going to work out. But she does it before even knowing how it's all going to work out. So now let's turn to Matthew one and see what's going on with Joseph. Matthew one eighteen through twenty five. 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be the child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just and righteous man and not wanting to expose her publicly to shame, planned to send her away and divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The Lord is salvation, for he will save his people from their sins. And this happened in order to fill what the text, what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary to his home as his wife, but he kept her a virgin until she had given birth to her son. And he named him Jesus, the Lord is salvation. I love that. Joseph said yes too. He also said yes. So I'm blown away by their yeses. A 14 through 16 year old girl. And I, we don't know how old Joseph was. He was probably older, but still yes. And I just keep wondering, how would we respond? Would we say yes to God? So now let's pick up from Luke 2. And we're going to get through some of these scriptures. And then we're going to talk about all this. I know it's a lot. Luke 2, 1 through 7. Now in those days, a decree went out from the emperor, Caesar Augustus, that all the inhabited world should be registered in a census. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to register for the census, each to his own city. So Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of David and family of David and in order to register with Mary who was betrothed to him and was with child and while we were there in Bethlehem the time came for her to give birth so here's where they have to put their feet to their faith they have to go and I looked at I looked this up because I thought gee I wonder how long how far it is from Nazareth to Bethlehem it's 90 miles 90 miles on a donkey. And she would have been seven to nine months pregnant. Somewhere, she for sure was in her last trimester. And so, and donkey goes about 2.5 miles an hour tops. I can probably walk faster than a donkey can because they're slow. So 90 miles so that, so some of the stuff I was looking up said it probably took them about a week because they have to stop and rest and sleep for the night and so forth. And she is pregnant after all. And Joseph is walking. So 90 miles, 90 miles. And this was done so that Micah 5.2 would be, would be, do we have Micah 5.2? I'm not sure if I gave Dave that. Do we? Micah 5. This was done so that Micah 5, 2 would be fulfilled. It doesn't matter if we have it. I'll just tell you. Micah 5, 2 says Bethlehem is where the, is where the Christ child is going to be born. So God is orchestrating all these things, all these things, and Mary and Joseph are just being obedient to every step of the way. There it is. But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one shall come forth for me who is to be ruler in Israel. His going forth appearances are from long ago, from the ancient of days. So I love that. So they arrive late 
in Bethlehem and there's no place to stay. And so wherever they were, said, well, you have this stable. You can go into this stable and be in there if you want to. Seriously? 90 miles on a donkey and now she's got to give birth in a stable. So that's what happened next. So let's pick up Luke 2 and we're going to go through 8 through 20. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For in this day, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And this will be a sign for you, by which you will recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they'd seen this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were astounded and wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, giving careful thought to them and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. So that's awesome. An angel, again, shows up with price, precise instructions and precise praising God. Now let's look at Matthew 2. 1 through 17. So this is the next piece of the story. So they are being led literally by divine angelic instructions piece by piece by piece. They were never given this whole picture in the beginning. They had to wait for it step by step. So when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jer Jerusalem with him. So he called together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they replied to him, In Bethlehem, for this is what has been written by the prophet Micah. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not in any way least among the leaders of Judah. For, you shall come a, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod secretly sent for the Magi and learned from them the exact time the star had first appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. And so I'm not sure that the text tells us this, but it would have been about two years before this had happened. So Jesus at this time would be about two. So after hearing the king, they went their way and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them, continually leading the way, until it came and stood over the place where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And after entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then after opening their treasure chest, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to go back to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod intends to search for the child in order to destroy him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while he was still night, and he left for Egypt, and he remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Hosea, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he realized that he'd been tricked by the Magi, was extremely angry, and he sent soldiers and put to death all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that area who were two years old and under, according to the date which he had learned from the Magi. Then what has been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. But when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared back to dream in a dream to Joseph and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go back to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and came back to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was still ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then being warned by God in another dream... He left for the region of Galilee and went and settled in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. I know it's a lot of scripture, but it's the story. It's a story. And I don't know that we take time to read this story. So back to Israel, they go back to Nazareth. This is the Christmas story of how Jesus entered the world after all this scripture that we read full of drama, danger, chaos, and definitely hardship, and definitely kind of scary circumstances. This is the world that Jesus entered into him. So what can we personally learn from all this? Because we're kind of done with our scriptures now. Um, What can we learn from all this? That God has plans for each and every one of us, because God is not a respecter of persons. He will do the same thing for you and me that he did for Mary and Joseph. He has plans for us. And what he does with radical obedience is three things. Three things happen when we respond to God with radical obedience. He comes with his presence, his voice and direction, and his power every single time. Because every time he has a plan for us, we are never equipped to carry it out. He's planning on pouring his spirit out on you and I so we can go and do what he's planned for us to do. And he wants to respond like Mary and Joseph. He wants us to say yes. Now notice that in the middle of their yes, they still had to do hard things. She still had to ride on a donkey, seven to nine months pregnant. She still had to give birth to a baby in a, in a stable with stinky animals and unclean situations. They still had to flee because somebody wanted to kill their child. So the, there was not an absence of hard things. So years ago, I heard a teaching, which is totally bunk in my opinion, is that, oh, when God calls you to do something, he'll just open the door and the floodgates, it'll all be easy peasy. That's not what our Bible teaches. He teaches when he calls us and plans for things, you still may have to do hard things in your yes. And we, not, we want that to, we not to not be derailed by that. 
So we just have to say, but God, he was orchestrating this whole thing. And I know the scriptures were lengthy, but you see each step of the way, God was orchestrating them to be from here to here to here every step of the way. And they had no idea what, from one step to the next, what God was going to pull off. So they had an extraordinary assignment, Mary and Joseph. And they had to rely on divine direction from the Holy Spirit and angels and anything else God wanted to send. And this applies to us too. When we get an assignment from the Lord, we are never equipped, nor do we know the full story, but we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit too. And obviously this is a story of our Savior who's coming into the world, God with us. But I want you to see all the planning that took place that God did to make this come to pass. He didn't just poof it into existence in 30 seconds. All these things had to take place and he partnered with people who needed to say yes to his plan before he could pull it off. I love that. I just think it's awesome. Um, some other observations that I kind of got from this, from the spirit, is the enemy was certainly involved in trying to stop this plan, wasn't he? He was, um, when he, especially with Herod, which, with killing the children. So a lot of children died, unfortunately, um, because he was, so, he was so scared of another king being born into his kingdom. So we need to expect spiritual warfare when we have an assignment from God, because you better believe the enemy has a plan for you too. God has a plan, but he has a plan for you too. And we need to be careful that we don't just assume if it's hard and there's spiritual warfare that we got to back off. No, that's your, that's your green light to push forward. The other thing I observed, I thought, is that we have to have a perspective of faithfulness for the long haul, for the long road, and not allow fear and hardship and difficult things to derail God's plan for us. And his assignments and plans don't necessarily need to make sense. If any of you happened to that before, lots of times God doesn't make sense to our natural minds, but that doesn't mean it's not God's assignment and God's plan for you. Um, one of the things I also think is very true is that we need to walk in the season, in awareness of the season that God has us in, because that matters what season you're in. So for instance, if you're a young mom with young kids, your season, the, the assignment that you have right now is to take care of your kids and bring them up in the Lord, not doing all these other things. That's your assignment for that season. But there will be a day when that season is over. And you'll be in a new season. And you'll need to ask God, what am I supposed to be doing in this new season of my life? So we want to walk in awareness of where we are with God. Um, God has planned for each of us to bring his kingdom to our piece of the world, where we live, what we do. And we need to make space for that. We need to make space for that. So how do we do that? We make space and time to hear his voice, to hear his direction, to hear his counsel and paying close attention to everything that he might bring across your path. Even simple things like a song. Like I knew I was supposed to teach on this this morning because of a song I heard three weeks ago on YouTube. I just knew that. So here's some good questions to ask. Um, show me what you want me to doing, what you want me to be doing. Ask the Lord this. What do I need to let go of for now? And what is distracting me from your plan? What's distracting me? Um, a, a good example for me was at the beginning of this year, um, 
I used to check my emails and everything first thing in the morning. And I sat down one morning for my quiet time and pulled out my phone. And I get about 60 emails from bedtime to morning. So it's a lot. And some of it's good stuff like prophecies and news and some devotionals or stuff. And he said, you know what? I'd like you to do that later and give me the first time in your morning. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I have been doing that. And I've been hearing him so much more because he gets me. The first, he gets the first thing in my day. I start with the Lord and I do my emails later. And somehow I get through them all. It just works out. So that's a simple thing. But that's what God is very practical. A lot of the things that he's going to tell you are practical things. And that's okay. They don't have to be super spiritual or super churchy. They might just be practical things he wants you to start doing. Um, so takeaway for this morning, if there's one takeaway that I'd like to, that I'd like to give you and the worship team can start coming up because I'm going to land this plane here in a second. Um, one takeaway, are you available to God like Mary and Joseph were? Are you available and will you be available to the assignments and plans that God has for you? This is all God asks for us, and it's exactly what Mary and Joseph did so well. If we say yes, he'll show us everything we need to do and every step that we need to take, and we don't need to worry about it. We just need to follow him and listen to his voice and his direction as we make space to do that. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you for the the ability of Mary and Joseph to say yes and that your Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of their hearts and brought them on this journey. And because of that, we're recipients of that. Our Savior was born and he's safe and sound and grew up to be a man so he could die on the cross for us. And we just give you thanks for that. We thank you for their yeses. And we thank you that even though it was hard, they didn't back off. And even though Mary had to watch her own son die on a cross, that must have been so difficult for her to do. And still she didn't back off. So, Lord, we just thank you for their, for their faithfulness to you, to be on the long road with you, and to follow you every step of the way. And may we be like that. May we be filled with the power of your spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, show me, show me, show me everything you want me to know, do, and say. And walk out in obedience to that. In Jesus' name, amen.